this morning we're going to move into a new series. If you've been with us, we just are coming out of a sermon series that we did on uh, families and relationships. And now we're moving into a sermon series that I personally am really, I'm really excited about. I've been looking forward to this for a number of months. Uh, and we're going to talk through this summer the book of Titus. And if you look at the book of Titus in your Bible, so if you grab a Bible, there's some in the, in the, underneath the seats in front of you, or maybe you have an app on your phone, you could open that up and take a look at the book of Titus. If, if you have Titus on your phone, if you took your finger one time and just flicked up like that, you may be able to scroll through the entire book without ever having to touch your screen again. And if you look it up in one of the Bibles, it probably takes less than two pages. In my Bible, Titus barely gets on that second page. So unless you have a really small Bible, my guess is Titus doesn't take up that much room. And so you may say to yourself, well, Pastor Brian, you are going to stretch this thing into like seven weeks of the summer. That sounds brutal. But the reality is what Paul says here, a guy by the name of Paul wrote this book a couple thousand years ago, and he wrote it to a young protege named Titus. Paul and Titus had set up a church in an area called Crete. And now Paul had left. And so he's writing back not only to Titus, but also to the people who had trusted in Jesus Christ in Crete as to how they're to live, how they're to set up their young church. And so even though this book is so short, there is so much here that you and I need to consider. And we'll talk about that in a moment. If you said to yourself, I, I can tell you one thing, even though we're going to spend a number of weeks in the book of Titus, there is no possible way we're going to be able to talk about everything that's in here. And so if you're the kind of person that, uh, you know, you're, you're an overachiever, you like the extra credit, you like to study beyond what we're talking about on Sunday mornings, I hope that some of you would do that. Uh, there is a book that I've come across that I think is excellent. It's by a man named Tim Chester, uh, and it's called Titus for You. You go on Amazon or you go to christianbook.com and for, I think, $10, $11, $12, uh, you can get this book. It's really helpful. Tim Chester is a scholar. Uh, he's from the United Kingdom. He writes scholarly work sometimes. He could write this book in a way that only people that have studied Greek and Hebrew would be able to understand it, but that's not what he does here. He takes all that scholarly work that he's done and puts it in a way that you and I can understand it and grasp it, and it's really, really helpful. So I would encourage you, even if you were just to, to buy it and take a look at it throughout the weeks, to say, hey, I had a question about something, and we weren't able to get to that on a Sunday morning, you could take a look at the book, and my guess is uh, Tim Chester has dealt with it very well. As we get started, I, I think that there's a question that I want us to think about when we just talk about why this book. That's what I want to do for the next couple of minutes. We're going to get into the specifics of, of the first few verses of Titus in a minute. But why this book? Why are we spending our time here? Listen, there's a question that you and I have to deal with in our lives. I have to deal with it. You have to deal with it. In fact, I think everybody who is living on the face of the earth deals with this question. And that question is, knowing my time is limited on this earth, how do I then live my life well? And people use all sorts of different strategies to try to answer that question. But that's the question that all of us have to deal with, don't we? I know my time on this earth is limited. I know I'm only here for a while. I get my 70, 80, 90 plus years if I'm lucky. I get this time on this earth. And I know it's going to end. But how do I live this life well? Let me ask you another question. 
Uh, do you have songs that if you hear, you get really frustrated because you know you're going to be singing them the rest of the day? Do you have any songs like that? Songs that you, you flip on the radio and you hear and you're like, oh, man. You hear Hey Jude and the whole rest of the day, no matter what you're doing, it's na, 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 na. And no matter what you can do, that song's not going to get out of your head. I had one of those experiences the other day, and in thinking about this question, it was something that really turned a light bulb on for me. Think about this question, how are we supposed to live our lives? I got into the car and I turned on the, the, I turned the key and the radio came on, and someone must have you know, bumped my radio because it was a non-Christian station, and uh, a song came on, a song came on by a band that I, I like uh, called American Authors. And this song came on, it's called Born to Run, and it was released last year. But it's one of those songs that if I hear this song, I know I'm going to be singing it the rest of the day. So I don't know if you've heard this song, maybe some of you haven't, but this is the chorus of this song. This is what the lyrics say. I'm going to live my life like I'm going to die young, like it's never enough, like I'm born to run. I'm going to spend my time like tomorrow won't come, do whatever I like, do whatever I want like I'm born to run. And so for the rest of the day, I, I heard that song, and then the rest of the day, I was going through everything that I was doing, and in my head, it was, I'm going to live my life like I'm going to die young, dun, 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 dun. And I thought about these lyrics over and over again, and something clicked in my head, and I said to myself, in thinking about this question that I knew was coming this Sunday, knowing our time is temporary, how do we live our life, it struck me, this is exactly how most of us answer this question, don't we? Almost all of us, this is the perspective that we have. Okay, I know I may not have tomorrow. I know that life is short. And at some point we wake up and we all say, listen, I need to seize the day here. I need to start taking advantage of the time that I have. And in fact, we preach this message in our culture all the time. Whether we're telling people to make a bucket list or we're telling people that they need to prioritize their time, we like to think like this. All right, what are the things that I want to get done before my time on this earth is over? And, and so, you know, the, the lyrics of this song, they talk about they want to see Paris, they want to see Tokyo, they want to travel, they want to see the world. And all of us have those sorts of things. That's our mindset. My time is limited. I better get some stuff done here with my life. I better do something valuable. I don't want to get to the end of this thing and feel like I wasted the time that I have. And that's how many of us live. And one of the reasons that we picked the book of Titus is because Paul, in his letter to his protege, Titus, talks throughout these three chapters on that very question. Titus, you and the people in Crete that are following Jesus have a limited time here and an important mission. How are you to spend your time fulfilling that mission and doing what it is that's valuable in your life? And the thing that Paul brings up right away at the beginning of this book is something that you and I often forget. And I'm almost positive our friends, the American authors, didn't have in mind when they wrote that song. Paul brings up right away that for those of us who follow Jesus Christ, we know that we don't just have a temporary time on this earth and then it's over. That we live in the hope of what is to come, that there's an eternity that's going to follow. And so listen to what he says in Titus chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. He says, Paul a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. For the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth which accords in godliness. Now listen to what he says this phrase. In hope of eternal life, 
which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. And what Paul does right at the beginning of this book is he's writing to Titus and to the believers at Crete and to you and to me. And he's going to talk to us about how we should spend our time and how we should live our life. But right at the beginning, he wants to, to us to be clear. He's, he's Paul, an apostle of God. He's writing about faith in Jesus Christ to those who believe. And he's doing it all, his work and the writing about faith. Under this umbrella that there is hope for life after this earth, that there is an eternity waiting for us. And so the question becomes not, how do I live my, my life on this earth because my time is limited, to how do I live my life on this earth well, knowing that eternity is coming? And when the context of the question changes, how we respond changes. What Paul basically says to Timothy, I mean to Titus at the beginning and to us, is he's saying, listen, your time on earth is really just like one giant waiting room. You're in a waiting room for these 70, 80, 90 plus years, whatever it is that we're given on this earth. You're in a giant waiting room and you're waiting for that day that you move from this temporary place to one of eternity. So then, how do you wait well, or what we've titled this series is, what should we be doing while we're waiting? How should we be spending our time? If we know that one day our time on this earth will end and we'll enter into an eternity, what do we do while we're waiting? I've been listening to this book called Option B, uh, and it's, it's by Sheryl Sandberg and Adam Grant. And so they're both kind of popular people right now. Adam Grant is a psychologist from the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, Sheryl Sandberg is the COO of Facebook. And the book is about the, what happened to Sheryl Sandberg just a couple of years ago. And that is that very unfortunately and very suddenly, her husband passed away when they were on vacation. He was working out in a gym in the hotel that they were at. And he didn't show up to dinner. They were with a group of friends, and they went and checked on him, and they found him, uh, unfortunately, that he had passed away. And so the whole book is now her reflecting on this a few years later and the devastation that she faced and having to go and tell her young children that their father didn't come home from vacation with her. It was a really, as you can imagine, uh, terrible time. And in the book, one of the things that she says is she, she recounts this moment where 11 days before the year anniversary of her husband Dave's death, she had a meltdown. And she said to the person that was with her, I can't, it was either her friend or her mother, she said to the person that was with her, at this point last year, Dave only had 11 days left to live. And he didn't even know it. And they made a commitment to one another just there. And they said, we're going to live our lives like we have 11 days left no matter what. And so they made that commitment to each other and they went on their way. And I think there's something inside of all of us that says, yes, that's a good way to think. That's a good way to live. But see, here's where Paul comes back in. And Paul would say to us, but listen, Dave didn't have 11 days left to nothing. Dave had 11 days left till eternity. And so you shouldn't ask yourself, you shouldn't say to yourself, I'm going to live like there's 11 days left and then that's it. Let's get it all done and pack it all in. We should ask ourselves, how do I live those 11 days in light of eternity? We're waiting for something. We're looking forward to something. And you and I know that there is purposeful waiting and there's non-purposeful waiting, isn't there? 
I don't know the last time you found yourself waiting for something, the last time you got in the security line at TSA, or the last time you walked into the RMV to try to get something done and it was a disaster, or the time you went to the doctor's office and your appointment was 11 and they called you at 12.30. I don't know when the last time was that you found yourself just sitting in traffic that you didn't expect, but you have this time and you're just waiting. There is useful, purposeful waiting, isn't there? And then there's wasteful waiting. For a while, my daughter was going to see a teacher once a week. She had an appointment every week, and then it was every other week. And for that time, I think it was about two years, I took her to that appointment, first weekly and then every other week. And I knew when I went to that appointment that I was going to have about 45 minutes to wait each time. She would go in with the teacher, they would do their stuff, and then she would come back out. And it was a small little office there, and so it was just me in the waiting room. And it was a typical waiting room. They had two chairs, and then they had this coffee table. And the coffee table was covered with all sorts of of magazines. And so there's Sports Illustrated and ESPN, and there was like People and Us Weekly. You know, all the typical players were there. And I used to say to myself, I would say, I'm going to use this time wisely. I got 45 minutes my, my child who is with me is off with someone else, so I have 45 free minutes. I got to respond to these emails. I want to read this chapter of this book. I should be thinking about the sermon for Sunday. And so I have 45 minutes. And sometimes I would walk into that waiting room. I would flip open my laptop, and I would, and I would, uh, or I would open the book, and I would use those 45 minutes wisely. And I would feel so good. Oh, I'm so glad I got that done. And then other times, you know what would happen. I would walk into that waiting room. I would flip open the laptop. I would would, uh, open the book. And then I would look, uh, you know, I'd peer over the top of the book or the laptop. And there, you know, it would be People Magazine. And it would say something like, you know, why Kanye West lost his mind this time and how he's doing. And I would, I would... I would have my laptop in my book, and I would say, I'm going to read my book today. I, I got to get this chapter done. And then, you know, halfway through the chapter, I would say to myself, you know, I'm a caring person here. I should really care about people. So how is Kanye doing? And why did he lose his mind this time? And all of a sudden, it turns into wasteful waiting. This is what I think is going to happen as we walk through this book. You and I are going to find some answers so that we can be sure that we're not wasting the time we have in this waiting room. That we won't get to eternity and look back at the time we spent on this earth and feel like we spent it and invested on things that don't matter then. How can we use our time wisely here? It's an important question. We're going to be talking about that over the next few weeks. And so this morning, we're going to get started, and we're going to look at just a few verses in chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 5 through 9. I'm going to read those for a minute, but just for a moment, I'm going to ask you to shift gears and think about a different question with me. Unlike never before in the history of the world, you and I have a choice to make, and it's a choice that people that lived before us didn't used to get. In fact, even if you were to think two generations ago, or three generations ago, or you know what, even one generation ago. Many of the people that lived on this earth and before them do not have the opportunity that you and I have today. You see, all of us are looking for voices to listen to, aren't we? People to follow. You have all these different areas in your life. You have your your personal well-being, your fitness, your emotional well-being, your finances, 
all these sorts of areas of your life, and I have them in my life too, where we are looking for people to lead us. We're looking for good people to follow. So if I'm trying to figure out how to get my finances in order so that I can retire or I can save to make a big purchase, there are an infinite number of voices, it seems like, that I can listen to. I can listen to my parents. I can go to the person down the street. I can go online, and there are millions of people ready to give me advice along that line. It didn't used to be like that. It used to be that someone was the expert in your community and you would just go to them. Everyone used Bob down the street for their finances. And so everyone would go to Bob to get their finances done. And there wasn't even really access to anyone other than Bob if you wanted to talk to somebody else. Or there was very limited access to other people. But now you and I in our pocket or in your purse or in your bag carry a rectangle. And within this rectangle, somehow behind this screen, I don't understand how it works, but they're in there. There are millions, if not billions of voices looking for people to follow them, looking for people to listen to what they're saying. And you and I have a choice unlike ever before. If I want to know what to do with my kids, if I want to know what to do in my marriage, if I'm looking for someone to follow and how I should think or how I should feel or how I should deal with emotions, I can go all sorts of places to find an answer to that. If I'm looking for someone to follow or a voice to follow, there's no shortage of people. We're really the first people in history that have that option to the level at which we have it. And so the question for us becomes, what voices should we be listening to? Especially, I want you to think about this this morning. Especially when it comes to your spiritual development and your spiritual well-being. How do you decide what voice to listen to? It used to be that there was the pastor in town. This is not that long ago. Three generations ago, there was just the pastor in town. And you either liked him or you didn't. And you either went to church or you didn't. But that was the spiritual leader in the town. It's not like that anymore. We have a crazy amount of voices that would give us spiritual advice. The people on television, the people on the internet, the voices that exist in our own community, family members, everybody has advice. Everyone has something to say in all the matters of our life, but especially in spiritual matters. And so the question I want you to think about this morning, there's two. Which voices should you listen to? And the second one is, I think, extremely important. Which voice in your life should be the loudest? What do I mean by that? I mean, when the voices start to disagree, who wins in your life? Because I can listen to the person on television and I can really like what they say, but then I go to church and they say something a little bit different and the voices start to conflict. And then I read a book that says something else about who God is. And so I have this book that says something about God, my pastor that says something about God, the guy on TV that said something about God, and then I read this thing on Twitter that said something totally different. And so all these voices are converging to try to tell me who God is and how I should live my life. And the question I have to answer is, who, which voice gets to be the loudest? You and I are in a unique position in that way. In this first chapter of the book of Titus, Paul is, right, or Paul is writing back to Titus, and he's saying, Titus, we have all these new believers in Crete, all these people that said they want to follow Jesus when we were doing our ministry. You have to organize them. And here's one way I want you to organize the people. I want you to put spiritual leaders in place that the people can listen to and follow. 
Now, the people don't get to pick those leaders. Titus does. And so Paul gives Titus guidelines. Titus, this is what I want you to think about as you appoint leaders. This is who I want you to think about as you appoint leaders. But in today's world, you and I, unlike never before, are in Titus's position. Because unlike never before, we are making the decision as to who we're going to follow and who we're going to listen to. And so people can put spiritual leaders into place the way Paul is telling Titus to. But back in Crete in those days, I'm sure the believers got together and they said, okay, this is the person Titus has appointed. We'll listen to them. Today it's a little bit different. We have so much access to so many voices that we choose who we're going to listen to. How do you choose, especially when it comes to spiritual matters, how do you choose who you're going to follow and which voice gets to be the loudest? In fact, I want you to mentally think about it. Who are the people you listen to and why do you listen to them? Maybe there's a grandma that you listen to, a friend that you listen to, a parent that you listen to. Maybe, maybe there's an author that you like to read. Maybe there's a blog that you like to read. There's a devotional that you like to read. There is a sermon series that you like to listen to online. There's a certain preacher that you like to listen to as you go throughout your week. But how do you decide who you're going to listen to? Because all of us, we like certain people over other people. I've had the experience many times, and I'm sure you have too, where you hear a spiritual message, you read a spiritual article that talks about who God is, you send it off to your friend and you say, this will change your life, and they read it and they go, that didn't change anything. But it hit you and it didn't hit them. How do you decide what voices you're going to listen to? All of us have different criteria. Here's the list I think most of us use. If we're going to pick someone to lead us, if we're going to pick a voice to listen to, we think about these sorts of things. We think about their competency. Are they really qualified to do what they're teaching? We think about how persuasive they are. Someone can get up and speak. We love it. Even in today's world, no matter how big the internet gets, no matter, no matter how much stuff is out there, you look at the popularity of something like TED Talks or Moth Stories or something like that, we still love it when someone can get up on stage and persuade us and speak well. We look at education and credentials, popularity among the people. We use our emotions. How do I feel when I hear this person speak? There's one popular preacher on television, and I remember one time someone in the church came up and said, I love to listen to him. I feel so good every time he's done speaking. So we use our emotions in that way. Do they agree with what we agree with? Do they disagree with what we disagree with? Those are the criteria we often use. But here's what strikes me about what Paul says to Titus, and I believe he's saying to you and me in these first few verses. He gives Titus a whole list of things to consider. And none of those are on there. Titus, here's the people that should be the spiritual leaders in the church. Here's the people that you should follow. Here's the people that the people should follow and listen to. And not one of those is on the list. So what is on the list? Who should you and I be looking to? What voices should be loudest in our life? This is what Paul says to Titus in verses 5, Titus chapter 1, verse 5 through 9. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. 
If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, for he is an overseer as God's steward, he must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Paul in these verses gives Titus just two broad things to look at. Titus, you got to pick some people. I don't want you to hold a speaking contest. I don't want you to get a microphone up front and tell everyone to give them your best five minutes and pick those people. I don't want you to go out into the community and just look for who all the people are listening to and following. I want you to look for two things. And the first thing he says is I want for you to look for people of good character. Because here's what Paul, I think, knew about character and is true even today. If somebody speaks in a way that we like to hear what they're saying and they say things we like to hear, character is something that we are often willing to overlook. It happens in ministry. It happens in politics. It happens in business leadership. It happens in the entertainment world. If someone makes us smile, makes us cry, makes us laugh, if someone says things the way that we like to hear them and says the things that we like to say, we will be willing to excuse character. But nothing will bring down a leader faster than poor character. You look at the news this week. The CEO of Uber out. Why? Character. Not competency, not persuasiveness, got all that stuff. Character. One of, a, one of America's most beloved comedians was on trial for something horrendous. Whether you think he did it or not, he's fallen from where he was because of character. Unfortunately, this happens in ministry. And I remember after a prominent minister, one who I really enjoyed listening to, had to step down from his church, which was really tragic because when a church gets to 10, 15,000 people and people around the world are listening and reading and hearing, when, when character brings a leader like that down, it's a really tragic thing because it doesn't change who God is, doesn't change any of that, but it really is harmful to people. And so I, I read an article, and the article said, and I thought it was so intuitive, that this person had had some character issues all along that if you go back and look, many people had questioned about. But we all still listened, and we all still, still loved it because the, he was so dynamic and said the things that we like to hear. But ultimately, it was that character piece that cost the ministry. And so Paul says to Timothy first, or Titus first, you want to find good leaders, people you should listen to spiritually? Don't first find the, most, the best speaker, the most persuasive speaker. Don't find the best author. Don't find the person that everyone's running around trying to listen to and trying to follow and paying a ton of money to go to their conference. Look for people who are above reproach, Titus. 
And that's the word he uses. That phrase is so important. Look for people who are above reproach. Paul uses it two times. What he doesn't say, Titus, is look for people who are perfect because perfect people don't exist. Only Jesus Christ was perfect. The rest of us are trusting on him for our salvation. We're trusting on him for grace. He came and became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God. That's who we're trusting in. We're not trusting in our spiritual leaders or people. We're trusting in Jesus Christ. And so Paul doesn't say find perfect people. He says, Titus, find people who are above reproach. Meaning that in the way they deal with their family, he says, and in their personal life, people don't bring charges against them. Because even when things go wrong, even when they make a mistake, even when family isn't perfect, the way they handle that speaks to who they are and to their character. You want to find something worth following, Titus? You want to find some, a voice worth li- listening to? Find someone with character above reproach. Watch the way they handle their family. Watch the way they handle their personal life. I know in that verse, especially about family, there's a whole bunch of stuff there that deserves more conversation. This is where I would encourage you. What does he mean by him, the husband of one wife? What does he mean by the kids can never do anything wrong? What does all that mean? I'm telling you. Listen to what Tim Chester has said. We can't get into all of that this morning. But what I think Paul is saying above all is Titus, look for people who are above reproach in their character that other people respect, not because of what they say, but how they live. And the second thing he tells them is this. You want to find someone worth listening to? You want to find a spiritual voice that's worth following? Find a person of good character, Paul says, and find a person that knows the word of God. Find a person of good character and find a person who lives here, who speaks from here, that when they say something, it comes right from this book. So that, Paul says, they can encourage those who need encouragement in the, in the, out of the word. And when somebody is off, when someone's saying something that this book doesn't say, they have the ability to rebuke that person and say, no, 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 that's not what God's word says. So find people, Paul says, of good character who live above reproach and find those people. Find those people who love this book who know what it says, and who do what it says. When we're looking for someone to listen to and someone to follow, we need advice. We look at all sorts of things. We say, how successful is that person? How competent are they? Do they have the lifestyle that I would like to have? Do they have all the things that I would like to have? But Paul would say, if you want to use your time well, you want to make sure you're not wasting your life, you want to make sure that you're using your time in this waiting room right, make sure that you find people who are of good character, living above reproach, and who know the word of God and listen to those voices, make those voices the loudest. And do you know what I think that means for you and for me and our lives when we're looking for people to follow? I have all sorts of people that I like to listen to, and many of them are far away from me, meaning they're coming from another part of the country or another part of the world, and they do a podcast or they put their sermons online, and I love to listen to them, or they write books, and I love to read the books. What I cannot do 
reading their books or being far away from them, is I can like what they're saying and I can take those words in. What I cannot do is I cannot fully evaluate their character or how much they love this book and spend time in it. I can guess by what they're saying, but I can't truly evaluate it. And so what I need is I need leadership that is close to me, that I can peer behind the curtain and I can say, okay, is this someone who is above reproach? Is this somebody who knows the word of God? And I should make that the loudest voice in my life. When it comes to following Jesus Christ, when it comes to knowing what God's will is for my life, those are the voices that I need to follow. And I think this has huge implications for us. Because if we listen to the wrong voices and follow the wrong voices, we could really waste the time we have on this earth waiting to meet God face to face. And so there's three things that I think Paul would say to us this morning. Three statements that I believe he would make to us no matter where you are today. I think he would say these three things. He would say, if you're looking for a leader to follow, if you're looking for a voice to follow, look for this. Look for these things. Look for a person that lives above reproach. Look for a person that knows the word of God, believes in it, studies it, and lives it out. If you're somebody that desires to be a leader, work on this. Listen, some of you are in this place this morning and you are at a place in your life where you believe that God wants you to do more for him. God wants you to step up into a place of leadership. Could be within this church, it could be somewhere else, but God, you feel like God is asking you to step up your game a little bit and to speak in such a way that others will listen and follow. We need to ask ourselves if we're in those positions, I need to ask myself, am I of good character? Do I know the word? And am I saying what the word says? And where I need help in that, then I need to rely on Jesus Christ, who is my Savior, and his Holy Spirit, who is the one who works in and through me to develop me, to be more like Christ, to change those things. In fact, all of us, where we have those areas where we know our character is not above reproach, and we know we need to grow in those places, we need to rely on God to do that inside of us. And the last thing I think Paul would tell us as the church is, if you want to encourage your leaders, pray for this. If you want to encourage your leadership, pray for this. You can pray for this for, for your pastors. I'll take these prayers all, all I can get. You can pray for this for our missionaries around the world. You can pray for this for the guy on TV who writes the books that you love to read. You want to encourage leadership, good, godly leadership, especially in this culture today, pray for this. That God would empower leaders by his Holy Spirit to be people who live above reproach and be people who know and preach the word of God. I'm going to invite our worship team to come forward as we close this morning. And listen, as we do, I'd like for you to grab this communication card one more time. Would you do that? You have one of these around you. I'd like for you to grab this one more time. Listen, if you've been with us, if you've been with us over the months, you know, one thing we do is we have these, these buckets that we normally pass for an offering time in the middle of our service. 
And the last couple of weeks, you may have noticed, we're passing them at the end of the service. I want to tell you why we're trying that. I expect, I pray, I hope that when we come together, God would move in our hearts, that God would teach us something. Maybe, maybe something was said today that you found convicting. Maybe it didn't even have to do with being a leader, but you heard those words above reproach in Titus today, and you said to yourself, man, in my own life, I know there's places where I am not living above reproach, and I need to ask God to help me in those areas. Listen, every week we, we usually offer time for prayer, but this is another way that we want to try and communicate with you, and this is why we're doing this after the sermon. If you flip over this card to the back, and you look, we have the spot for your prayer request. And then, to the, and then underneath it says, today I made a decision to follow Jesus, or I would like to know more about following Jesus. This is how I'd like for us to start using these lines and these checkboxes. Maybe you're here this morning, and you feel like God's speaking to you. Or you have a question about who God is. It could be on what we talked about. It could be something completely different. I would ask you just to write it down and turn it in. Because I'd love to talk with you more about it. Maybe you feel like God is calling you into some sort of leadership. And you feel like you need to take steps in that direction. I'd love for you to write it down. I'd love to be praying for you. I'd love to talk to you about it. Maybe you feel like God, maybe you feel like you're getting closer and closer to following Jesus Christ with your life. That's not a decision you've made and you want to talk about it more. I would like for you, us to use this card and you to turn it in so that throughout the week I could just send you an email or give you a quick call and talk with you about it more. We want to hear what God's doing in your life. You have a question about who God is or what he wants you to do? We want to help you answer it. So we're going to use the cards in this way. So in just a moment, I'm going to close our time in prayer. Our ushers are going to come, and they're going to pass these buckets down the row, and you have a chance to respond. And if Mount Hope is your home church and you give regularly to this church, you can give of your tithes and offerings at this time too. If you're visiting with us this morning, you can just let that peace pass you by. That's for the people that call this place home. But let's pray. And if God's doing something in your life, there's something you would like prayer for, some way to respond to this message. I'd love to hear from you about it. God, all of us need good leaders in our life. People that we can trust, people that we can listen to, people that we can follow, voices that we can hear above all the other voices in this world. Voices that would lead us closer to following Jesus Christ. Voices that would lead us deeper in our knowledge and our understanding of you. Voices that would give us good advice. So God, would you surround us with people who live above reproach, who understand and know your word and teach it and preach it faithfully. That we might be able to use the time we have on this earth well. Not to follow people, but to follow you. Not just to listen to the voices of people, but to listen to the voice of Jesus Christ. Pray it on in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take a moment to respond as the ushers come. Pass over.